You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. And there's things that come from different styles of mysticism and, and New Age thinking that tell us that peace comes from inside of us. Mm-hmm. Your calmness is different than peace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Being able to have a measured response to your world around you is different than having peace. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. Today, joined by two special guests. First, we have Paulina de la Fuente, and then we have worship pastor extraordinaire Ben Kioski. Yes, yes, indeed. Thank y'all for being here. here. Paulina is also here. (laughs) Yes. Great to have both of y'all. Ben, you continued the Peace in Exile series focused on peace in exile. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about kind of your thoughts as you prepared for this message, why you kind of picked some of the points that you did or just even just the overall gist? Well, um, to be honest with you with this one, I just did a bunch of reading. Uh, I read, um, you know, started with the Wikipedia entry, you know, which is always very poor. Um, (laughs) On what? Uh, yeah, I just talking. Just I just you know just wanted to see see what was out there. I typed in you know the oh, no. the Babylonian exile into into Wikipedia. I mean into the Google, and it came up with Wikipedia entry, and it was uh, you know just read some stuff. Anyways, that was not my main source. Uh, sorry, back on track. No, I just did a bunch of reading. Honestly, I read through the through the. Um, through the actual exile period, I read some historical accounts of it. Uh, actually, read some uh, um, excerpts from some extra biblical accounts, historical accounts from uh, um, the Jewish tradition on what happened during that exile period, and then read the prophets um, that were considered exile prophets, mostly um, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. So that's pretty much that's pretty much what I did to kind of prepare mm-hmm. and then you know as we see everything uh, going going through that exile period um, I don't know I just thought it was great to pick out that story of of, of the three the three cronies there Shadrach Meshach <laughs> and Abednego and because um, it kind of gives us a it kind of it kind of boils it all down in, into into what that can look like yeah, for us yeah. now so absolutely not a, not a super complicated process but as it I just a lot of reading. Yeah. A lot of reading. Well, and I love uh, you kind of broke down five kind of points of peace that were woven throughout their story as well as just scripture. So I'd love to just tackle each one and just talk to both of y'all about what this kind of looks like to apply both practically and then maybe just kind of uh, if there's any words of encouragement for each one. So the first one here is peace is a result of practice. Uh, ben, I won't ask you to rehash your entire message, but I think why is it so crucial? I remember you highlighting just the fact that particularly with these three men, they were living their, their life. They had to practice this lifestyle of peace way before their their limelight, if you will. So, yeah. so why is that so important? And then how do we even just kind of get there? Because I think for most of us, we don't really feel like we're on a certain stage or this isn't certain big moments. So, right. so why, why go through all that now? Well, at the most basic level, I think most of us lead pretty comfortable lives. And, um, you know, though we, we have some cultural things that push back on us on our, on our Christianity and our following of Jesus, um, we don't have any, any huge things, but as we know, uh, you know, we're talking about prophets and, and, and whatnot, as we know, um, there are those things coming more increasingly into our future. And, you know, sometimes we face things at the workplace or, or when we're, you know, going to, going to class, 
you know, whether it's college or high school or junior high or whatever the case may be, sometimes we do face those uh, sort of, um, uh, you know, air quotes here, uh, crisis of, of faith. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for us to, to, to maintain the discipline um, and, you know, if you want to know how to do that and talk to old Bob Moss, he'll give you the stuff, man. <laughs> He's got the goods. But uh, it's important to maintain the discipline of practicing fellowship, you know, mm-hmm. um, practicing following the things that God has for us. He lays them out in the Scripture. We can learn from one another. We can stay in community and community groups and, and really just have that, 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 that culture within us of, of living in peace and following after God. Yeah. Yeah, it made me think that, uh, when there are heightened moments in our lives, they usually just expose what I've been doing and what's been mm-hmm. present. You know, there's usually not a quick way to prepare for something, a huge, whether it be like an actual disaster kind of thing or a just like life faith crisis. You know, there's not a way to prepare last minute. It all just exposes right. what's already on the inside, which... I think just makes me be really aware that I want to do that well now, even when I don't, even if I don't have stuff that's coming up, that's like make it or break it really big things. Um, But I want to do that well so that when disaster strikes or when I'm in a hard spot that the good stuff comes out instead of just kind of panic and basically the opposite of peace. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're, if you don't know how a dishwasher works and the dishwasher overflows, it's a panic situation, <laughs> you know. But if if you if you know how it works, then it's not that big of a deal. You can fix it. You know, mm-hmm. you probably know where it's coming from. You know, that's a goofy analogy. Well, something happened recently. Or? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, first thing to come to mind. Know, the, the easy one. The easy one that, that everybody uses, of course, is like your vehicle or something. You yeah, know, yeah. If you don't know how the vehicle works, like. You know, I don't know. There, there. I, I know vehicles pretty well, but there are still some things that I don't know about. My mm-hmm. truck's having trouble right now. Electronic stuff, I have no idea. <laughs> and it's like a panic. I think it's the worst thing that's ever going to happen. Like it's going to be a million dollars to fix. This is terrible. I'm going to have to buy a new car. Yeah. Right. But like you said, Paulina, I mean, if 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 we practice and and we we know we know what to do and who to turn to when when the stuff hits, then that automatic response is actually one of faith rather than fear. Yeah, I actually, the analogy that I was going to share might be worse than the one you did, but what I, (laughs) (laughs) well, I was thinking what I think of on this kind of topic is being in like a scary, like a haunted house or something where you're scared and your instinct reaction shows, you know, the times that I've pushed a friend in front of danger, (laughs) you know, just like panicked. And I think that's what it makes me think of really that we're just like a lot of times just coasting and not maybe seeing the what's going on inside, you know, and that we're mm-hmm. not filling ourselves with God's truth, but a bunch of other truth. And then there's a moment where at least I can think of somewhere that gets exposed and there's not a way in the haunted house situation. I can't think like, okay, I don't want to push Taylor in front of that monster. You know, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, that's what I think of because it's like a really just exposes what's on the inside. Right. Yeah. Ben, you had a question that is almost just really kind of like a challenge that you asked us. I wrote it down. It was really good. It was asking just, are we settled that Jesus is actually the answer? Mm -hmm. And so I'd love for you to maybe just expound on that real quick and just kind of what does that look like when we can't answer that? And what does it look like when we can? 
Well, that's a great question. Uh, yikes. Um, well, I think that uh, when we can't answer that question, I think what that should drive us to is not to some sort of weird shame or guilt or like there's something wrong with us per se, but that should that should lead us into a deep dive, you know, into really spending time, you know, maybe we need to, you know, uh, have some people come alongside us and we can pray through like some things that are going on in our life. But really we need to replace our own opinions, our own um, um, uh, philosophies and things like that um, with the truth of God. And so however that works for you, for some people, you know, just replacing that with the reading reading the Word, you know, by yourself and taking that in. But sometimes it takes help from from others. So when we can't answer that question, I think that's the appropriate response is to move toward Jesus, you know, um, and, and so that, that we can actually say that. And then— um, you know, but that's actually a great existential question, like sort of in general for for the church at large. Do you go to church and do the Christian thing because it's the because it's the club that you know, you know, or is it because we really believe in the power yeah. of who Jesus is and we actually believe in Jesus? Um, and that kind of leads to the next point. When we can answer that question, mm-hmm. we seem to be settled in what has become a sort of a, a mantra for me. Um, you like how, you like how I intertwined it. Never mind. <laughs> a word from Eastern mysticism into. Anyways, here we go. Right um, over my head. <laughs> had, to, had to duck. But it has become a bit of a, a mantra of mine, which is that you know, if we really believe, and this isn't just my idea, of course. This is what belief is. If we really believe in something, then we believe it so much so to act upon it. Mm-hmm. If there's no belief, there's never going to be any action. You know, I believe, you know, simple things. We can take that down to the simple. I believe this chair is going to hold me up, so I sit in it. Right, right. If I do not believe that the chair is going to hold me up, like when you go to an outdoor wedding and they have those little fold-out chairs, <laughs> I don't believe those chairs are going to hold me up. So my faith is very shaken when I go to sit in one of those chairs. Wow. You know, and usually they dig down in the ground about six or eight inches by the time I'm done with it. You know, but I have little faith in those chairs. You know, But my easy chair at the house, I've got faith in that one. That's good, you know, and uh, I believe in that chair. It's gonna, it's it's gonna do the job. So another terrible analogy. What do you think, Paulina? <laughs> <laughs> We're really on a roll yeah. with the analogies. <laughs> um, when I think about that, the end of how you had that question, or I guess Ben, how you had that question, that he's actually the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times I can say yes, but really when I'm analyzing a situation. It's like Jesus is the—I say that Jesus is the answer, but really I just have him in the group of answers, you know? So, Mm. like, the Jesus is the answer, yeah, and he's in the group also with, also, if all else fails, I have this to fall back on, you know, or I'll plan this and prepare in this way instead of, I think— for me, realizing that all of that stuff could crumble, but Jesus is still the answer. Mm. And that helps me kind of see how I tackle situations in my life and not just grouping him into the solution, but he is the solution every time with, even when everything else is failing. Yeah. And hearing you say that kind of made me think that, you know, when, when, when Jesus is actually the answer, that removes judgment because, you know, let's say we're dealing with a difficult personality or someone, maybe a family member, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up, so we're going to be around family, you know. Um, we're dealing with someone who's, who's difficult, right? 
Well, I don't know about you, but my propensity is always to, like, in my mind, whether I ever have a conversation with them or not, is to fix their problem. Mm. It's like, well, if they would just X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. or if they weren't such a, you know, whatever, then they could do this. You know what I mean? And if, if they would just, you know, open their eyes to this, these three things, they would see that, mm-hmm. you know, and that all that really is is just judgment. But when the real answer to, to someone who is in angst and someone who is having trouble in their life, the real answer is that they need a touch from Jesus just like I do, mm-hmm. you know? And that's the real answer, and it removes judgment from me and 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 also just really takes my—it just takes us down a notch, you know? We think we've got the solutions to everything, you know? And if I can be a little forward, especially those those of us who've been in ministry for a, wh- a while and— and even some of us new to ministry, we think, okay, now we're in the ministry spot. So we've got the answers and the solutions to everything, you know, and, and you know, and it's just, yeah, there's there's things that we can do and exercises that we can go through. But Jesus is the answer. And mm-hmm. if, 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 if we're not yielding to, pointing to, and following after, uh, you know, the, the, the love and the reconciliation that Jesus offers— it's just, it's just, it's not going to amount to much. I yeah. mean, we can cope for years and years and years and function yeah. and be okay, but we're not going to be reconciled if we don't yield to the reality that Jesus is the answer. Yeah. I mean, that's literally kind of what you were touching on in your second point, talking about peace agrees with God and just how you were saying that, you know, no other answer is going to protect us, heal us, love us, reconcile us back to God the way that, that he does. What do you think as far as when you, you had that point about peace agrees with God, kind of why was it important to include that in with the other four? And kind of what does it look like for us if we are having trouble believing that, just even that statement in itself? Yeah, it's a bold, it's a bold statement. I know that it is. Um, I'm not sure that I can fully unpack it all the way. Um, e- even even in my own you know mind in my yeah, own yeah. in my own way of applying those type of things to my own life, but I I do know from just from you know reading the word and 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 you know the little bit of life that I've lived that um, anything that comes from outside might be very good and, and it might be helpful in a lot of situations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but anything that isn't rooted in the in the absolute truth of 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 God, the God of the Word, the God of the Bible, um, and um, the truth of of His Son Jesus and the Gospel, mm-hmm. anything that's not rooted in that does not last. Mm-hmm. It just it just it will not and it cannot last because it's based on things that are temporal, mm-hmm. and and God's truth is eternal, and so you know. We've added many, many things from the outside. And what's actually interesting is there's many things, and I won't go into specifics because I'm not trying to offend people, but there's there's many, many things that have actually been siphoned out of the truth, taken into a different way of belief, jumbled up into these other ideas of how to exist in in our world and then actually reinserted back into Christianity as a truth. And it isn't one. <laughs> and there's many of those. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to go into it, you know, or whatever. But And there's things that come from different styles of mysticism and, and New Age thinking that tell us that peace comes from inside of us, mm-hmm. that we can somehow center ourselves into a— and, and calmness is different than peace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being able to have a measured response to your world around you is different than having peace. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 peace. There is, as I said, there's 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 no there's no such thing as inner peace. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if we actually really drill down into what the scripture says about our own hearts, you know, our hearts aren't capable of of that. Yeah. Our, our hearts yeah. are the most deceptive part of us, mm-hmm. and so. But the redeemed heart is. Mm-hmm. The heart mm-hmm. filled with the Holy Spirit is totally capable of, of, of living in peace. And so that's kind of, I hope that made sense. That's yeah. kind of where I was coming oh, from yeah. on that. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I think I answered maybe one part of your question. Yes, well, and then you even jumped over to the fourth point about <laughs> as far as peace is supernaturally really sourced. So this is, <laughs> this is a one-point message. <laughs> they got a, everyone's on shuffle right now. <laughs> but oh, I do have one question about uh, number three that was the peace is our identity and not in our circumstance. Mm. I think so much of just living life in 2020, we've heard that message over and over. It's such a, I mean, it's a biblical, Biblical, yeah. um, truth, but I'd love to hear both of y'all's takes on just what does it look like to practically either reminding ourselves that our peace is in our identity and not our circumstances, or whether it's actually just finding ways of living and modeling that out. How do we kind of just take a next step of, you know, taking something that's like, oh, cool, that sounds good, mm-hmm. maybe put on a bumper sticker, but like, how do we actually <laughs> like live that yeah. out as believers? Um, I think that the image I always get when we talk about peace is Jesus in the boat in the storm with the disciples, mm-hmm. because it just feels like the epitome of peace in Jesus, like just in who he is and him sleeping. What a peaceful act. And then in the middle of just the epitome of chaos, which was a storm that was going to destroy them and the boat they were on. And I think for me, it's, Sometimes, depending on the situation, it can be as simple as remembering that Jesus doesn't panic. And I think this year, like uh, culturally and just our here, but then even our country, I think we've experienced a lot of communal panic moments this year. And in those, I think it really helps me to just stop and remember that Jesus is not surprised or panicked or like, okay, what do we do? And those are all my responses, you know? But so when I think about that point, that peace is our identity, then that's when I think about Jesus, my identity, and, and even thinking about the boat and the disciples, their identity was being allowed to be close to Jesus, you know? And I think we have that and we have that in with the Holy Spirit and we get to be just remember that Jesus doesn't panic and I'm God has allowed me to be close to him so that peace is accessible not something to fix my circumstances and then try to find but mm. to just pause and receive that from the peace that Jesus is so that's for me that's mentally where I just try to say that in my head I like what you just said I should have made that one of my points peace <laughs> is accessible like yeah that's true you know, we, we make it complicated. Back to kind of the cultural mystic mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. thing. We want to, like, peace is this F real thing that's like out there that we have to strive for that we somehow can't reach. Well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Peace is accessible, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's right there. It's found in Jesus. One of the ways that came to mind right as we were answering that question is that, um, you know, what— what what does it look like to appropriate that into our identity? You know, what does it what does it mean? And I immediately thought just now of uh, in Proverbs chapter thirty one when it talks about uh, you know what a what a godly woman is, 
in uh, one of the places it talks about that. It also talks about a godly woman in Judges chapter 4 and 5, which if you haven't read that, go check that one out. That's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 25, it says, She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs at the days to come. And I think that that picture for me, you know, maybe maybe there's a there's someone in your life, maybe it's your spouse or a mama or a grandma, and you think about someone who's just settled, mm. who isn't worried about what's going on. And when you tell them some huge, like, story about the calamity of the world, and they just kind of very calmly in a dignified, mm. not a dismissive way, but a dignified, kind way, just kind of chuckle at the circumstance and, and then tell you something awesome about Jesus. You know what I mean? I think that's... That's kind of the what I think about when I think peace as in a, as your identity, mm -hmm. and I use that word like you're contented in who you are in Christ, you know, mm -hmm. uh, not in anything else that's going on. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I always love how John refers to himself as the one who Jesus loves, yeah. and I. I don't know, somebody had pointed out to me before that Peter spends his time, Peter, at least from what we have written, has the most professing that he loves Jesus and like being the most outward. And yeah, I think what you just described makes me think of somebody that would say that and understand that, that they're the identity part is that I'm the one who Jesus loves yeah. and not you know, not so much worrying about like what I give to God and what I can offer him, you know, because that just doesn't earn me anything. But instead, yeah. my identity is earned by saying that I'm the one who Jesus loves. And and I think also peace in 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 all of that is is a is a resting that doesn't that doesn't require a lot from us. And so that is maybe why it so feels like it's unattainable for us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because you can't really do peace. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you can't, you have to be peace, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. your Peace doesn't care about your talents. Peace doesn't care about how good you are at what, not fill in the blank, how smart you think you are or whatever it is, you know, how much money you make. Peace doesn't care about any of that stuff, you know. Uh, peace, peace is something that you have to be, you have to receive, you can't, you know. Yeah, and the way you put it, uh, when you talked about the fourth point about peace being supernaturally sourced, I wrote down this quote. You said it's just like the idea of like living settled, and so I think that yeah. you were just talking about this, yeah. just this idea that like, yeah, you can't act or do it in a certain way, but it's just that act, it's just that way of living settled. Yeah. That's that's really good. I'd love to kind of close up with the fifth point here, talking about peace is God's purpose. Uh, I, I love that you ended on this note, and just even just seeing how King Nebuchadnezzar, like this guy who just is super rash and hard-headed and just egotistic and all this kind of stuff. And yet he can't argue with what he's seeing, just the faith of these three men and just the way in which God, they were willing to give up their lives in the way that they serve for God. So I'd love to kind of hear both of y'all's uh, thoughts as we close, as far as what is it, what, how have you seen peace be a part of God's purpose, whether it's in your life or just in kind of the circumstances around you? Uh, well, I think there's a, I have a friend that he comes in and out of my life, and um, uh, his 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 life is not peaceful. And like I said, I could go down the road of judgment with this guy and be like, "Oh well, you know, if he would just do this and stop doing this and start doing that and quit doing this, and he would be fine," you know. And uh, but that just doesn't work. And the reason. 
that he randomly shows back up in my life is when the chaos just becomes too much because he doesn't have peace. He's, you know, I don't know if calamity is not a word that we use a lot in our vernacular these days, but, you know, the scripture uses it in several occasions. Um, we go look it up. Calamity basically just means all sorts of strife and craziness going on. That's what calamity means. And this guy gets himself into calamity by his own choices and the things that he does. And, and uh, you know, it's it's both a tragic reality, but a, but a good thing that he knows where he can find peace. And he comes, and he comes, and he finds peace. I don't enable this guy. <laughs> I don't try to pretend like, you know, everything's going to be okay because a lot of his consequences are not great. But he knows where to find peace. And the peace that he seeks when he, when he finally contacts me or shows back up, the peace that he seeks is the peace of God. It's not me as an individual person. Mm-hmm. There's just something, and he says it in different ways. You know, there's just something about hanging out with you. And I just, and I tell him straight up, you know, hey, it's Jesus, man. You know, it's it's because Jesus loves you and he sees you. The reason he brings you back to me is not because of me. It's because Jesus sees you. He loves you and he cares for you. He wants you to feel loved. You're not forgotten. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, you know, in the, the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was a much more of an extreme response with Nebuchadnezzar, who's crazy. I mean, like, after he says, praise to me to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he, he suggests that anybody who doesn't worship that God be cut up into a bunch of pieces and shipped off to the four corners of the Babylonian Empire, which I, I just don't think that's the goal, right? So he, he kind of took it the wrong way. But, um, you know, the, 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 the testimony of God will will endure, and it comes through the peace um, that we experience in our day-to-day and when stuff is coming up and it's crazy and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we respond with a peace response, mm-hmm. which doesn't always mean perfect. Please, it, that, it, <laughs> I don't want anybody to, to think that I mean perfect, right. but a peace response, you know, you know, peace includes repentance. You know, yeah. if, if, you, yeah. if you mess something up, you mm-hmm. repent, you know, so. Yeah, um, I, when I first started following Jesus, I, my circumstances were really chaotic. And it's interesting because those didn't change for many, many years, but something about, I mean, I couldn't put a word to it. Now I would probably say it was peace. Um, but at the time I just felt different. And I remember, you know, going back into those same places and feeling different and feeling like a, uh, like a weight inside that grounded me, you know? And I think that that's with God's purpose. I mean, I re- getting to follow Jesus in chaotic times and receiving that peace, I mean, no other thing that I have that I've seen God, be God's purpose for me would exist without the peace that came from a relationship, from a right relationship with Him and being made right in His sight. And then thinking about my life now, um, and how I think peace is, we always, I think we say it, but true peace is a good indicator for what God has for us in big decisions and small. I think that God uses that to lead us and guide us into his purpose. And thinking about what you said with people around us, it, it really is so interesting. And I love that about being a believer is that God does make us, allow us to be a mini refuge of peace for Mm -hmm. people that are living in the world. I have people like that in my life that 
all the everything you said, all the frustration and those kinds of things, it all subsides when you get to be peace, a place of peace for somebody and provide that. And it's almost, I think they receive it in like a relief from the world, kind of like coming up for air. That's what I think it feels like to receive peace. That's what it looks like in my life. And that's what God allows me to be in other people's life too, which I think all kind of goes into God's purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so good. Ben, I'd love to give you the last word as we kind of wrap up this week of the Peace in Exile series. Sure. I think I'd like to take the last word by just reading the scripture. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And then Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Mm 